That's awesome. Well, we've been talking about the blessed life, and we've been talking about uh, what God says about giving and, and what the Bible says, and that's what we want. We, I don't want you to know what I say because it all everything anybody says has to line up with the Word of God. How many believe that? It's got to line up with the Word. If it doesn't line up with the Word, you shouldn't be doing it. And I don't care who tells you, it's got to line up with the word. And so we've been talking about different things about the Bible, and I've been showing you what the word says, and, and reports are coming in, answers have come in, and people, oh my goodness, this is what's happening. And, and you know, kind of light bulbs are coming on. So uh, I've got two places, two main scriptures, I'm going to give them to you now, and then we're going to go there. You can put your finger on those. John 12, 1 through 8. John 12, 1 through 8, and Mark 14, 3 through 9. So if you look or grab those. We're going to get to those in just a couple minutes. Uh, and again, thanks to Gateway Church and, and Robert Morris and a lot of the study they've done on this. It's just been the best I've ever seen when it comes to tithing and giving. <clears throat> so anyway, we found out that these principles, God's principles change your life. I mean, when you start doing what God says, it just changes. It makes a difference in your life. It also makes a difference in the kingdom. Things begin to happen. I got to tell somebody last week, they said, well, what about this? I want you to understand we have, God has all power. We talked about that. How many believe that? Jesus said all power is given to me. And, but we need to understand we have the authority. He has all power, but we are the ones that issue. Are, are you catching that? We are the ones that bind and loose. What happens on this realm is according to how we bind and loose. Uh, God has agents that work for him. He has angels that work for him. He has us that work for him. The enemy has agents that work for him. So we need to understand that's why it's so important for us. That's why Jesus said, you say to the mountain. And we spend a lot of our Christian lives telling our mountain uh, or, or telling God about our mountain instead of our mountain about our God. And it has to be the authority that we have. That means I can stand in the gap and pray for you. I've been called to come and, and exercise homes and rooms and, hey, can you pray? And yeah, will they leave? Absolutely, they will leave. But I'm going to leave too. So when I leave, are you doing anything to open that door back? Are you, you know what I'm saying? There's going to be mountains that you're going to have to say, uh-uh, you're going to have to do that Diana Ross, uh-uh, you ain't crossing. Stop in the name of Jesus. <laughs> but uh, we're going to, you know, and so we have to cover all that. So this message today, we've talked about different things. Next week, we're going to talk about the principle of multiplication. That's our last one in this series, and you don't want to miss next week because we're going to tie everything together next week. Today, we're going to talk about am I generous? Am I generous? Now, it sounds kind of like a, in a first person, you know, why are we doing that? Because it sounds, if somebody says, hey, what was the sermon about? Are you generous? That kind of, you know, so we just don't, because it applies to all of us. So before we look at what we think or make judgment calls on anybody else, let's look at us. Not that we should be making judgment calls on anybody else. Let's, let's take care of what's in our responsibility. So am I generous? I want you to think about the title, but let's get to the message. This takes place where Lazarus uh, is, is where he is now when Jesus raised him. That was in chapter 11. We are picking up chapter 12 in the book of John. This is two months have passed since Lazarus has been raised. Okay, so that's kind of giving you the setting. And John 12, 1 through 8. Six days before the Passover, Jesus came to Bethany, where Lazarus, who, was, who had been dead, whom he had raised from the dead, there they made him a supper. And Martha served, but Lazarus was one of those who sat at the table with him. Mary took a pound of very costly oil of... Spe I don't know how to say that. Yeah. Perfume, great. Spikenard uh, anointed the feet of Jesus, wiped his feet with her hair, and the house was filled with the fragrance of the oil. But one of his disciples, Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, who would betray him, said, 
Why was this fragrant oil not sold for 300 denarii and given to the poor? Then he said, um, this he said, not that he cared for the poor, listen to this, but because he was a thief, he had the money box and he used to take what was put in it. But Jesus said, let her alone. She's kept this for the day of my burial. For the poor you have with you always, but me you do not uh, have always. So this is a picture of two hearts. We're looking at Judas's heart and we're looking at Mary's heart. We're, We're looking at two hearts. One is generous, one is selfish. They're both on display for us this morning. So what actually displays a heart? How you show off your treasure. How, what is important to you? How that is, and I don't know about you, but I, this ministers to me because I've been on both sides of this. I'm just being as honest as I can be with you. I've been on both sides where I have talked to people and I've been guilty of this as well. And I'll share with you where we're like, why did they use that? Oh, that's too gaudy. They didn't need that. They didn't need this, you know, and I'm making judgments, but I'm not really looking at their heart. Let me, let me explain. Two questions come to my mind. Why did she give such an extravagant gift? And why did it bother Judas so much? Was he so ticked off about it? Here's our first point for this morning. The enemy of generosity. The enemy of generosity is selfishness. This is the very opposite of giving. It's keeping. We all grew up selfish. Remember we talked about when we were babies, we all, one of the first words we learned was mine. We still use it today. That's mine. 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 This is mine. I used to play marbles. These are mine. And we, we have that selfish attitude if we're not careful and some of us have never grown out of it selfishness is one of the most difficult things to deal with in a marriage because it looks out for itself it promotes itself it protects itself it provides for self selfishness here's the problem that's god's job god is our provider he's the one that promotes he's the one that lifts up he's the one that protects he is our protector he does all that selfishness is trying to take the place of god this can be a stronghold and sometimes people say well what's a stronghold so i put in parentheses in my notes it's a fortified place for the enemy it's something that the enemy has got a foothold in and it's a it's a prickly point it's where you're like i god you can't but you can't have this this is mine i'll do what you say but not this Judas, you know, a lot of times that fortress or that stronghold is built up over years. Some of you have been through some stuff. Let me, let me, let me, as my wife says, let me digress. Let me go back. <laughs> when I went to school, we didn't have uh, the money to have hostess products. Uh, once in a while, I loved hostess cherry fruit pies, my favorite. Loved those. I don't know, there's probably like 16 bazillion grams of fat in one of those, and, you know, uh, but man, love those, but, you know, I was the guy that my mom sent to school with mustard and crackers and, you know, stuff like no kid should go to school with, uh, stuff that you could get beat up for, <laughs> you, you know, other kids, hey, I'll swap you these cookies for this, I'll swap you these mustard, never mind, <laughs> But I, I sat by Bobby Fields, and Bobby Fields always had Hostess Kingdoms and Ho-Hos and, and, and Fruit Pies and Twinkies, and, mm, and he didn't even care about them. Sometimes he'd eat them, sometimes, anybody want these? I mean, we'd all be like. 
Okay, so with that, now listen, I grew up feeling like if I ever got that, I could be full. I mean, I could be like Pillsbury, you know, I could be full. And somebody would say, hey, do you want this hostess cherry pie? You betcha. I'm not throwing that away. Yeah, give it to me. Even, and sometimes I would have to, like if I was on a scout trip or I was, because I was in Boy Scouts when I was a kid, uh, you know, because if you have like a surplus of food or if you're on a youth outing, your food is always in danger from other youth. So if you're full, you will eat it anyway. So I would eat it. And uh, so then as I get into adulthood sometimes, then it has been hard for me to see food thrown away that's food that I never could have when I was a kid. Does that make any sense? Or stuff that I'm like, are you kidding me? You don't want that? Don't you want a carryout box? I mean, yeah, uh, that kind of stuff. And, and I've had to, and I'm not saying I don't still struggle with it from time to time. That's kind of obvious. <laughs> I'm just, I give that to God. But you know what I'm saying is God has helped me with that where I, I don't lose any sleep over it or anymore. And I really, once I've made the decision to be like, okay, he makes more, I'm good then I'm fine. Uh, but b- because of I grew up with that, and see, we have that mindset. That can be a stronghold where the enemy can get in and just like, if you, if you don't have enough to rub two nickels together, when you finally have two nickels, you really don't want to rub them with anybody else. Mine! You can get your own nickels. And it can be a stronghold. Okay. <laughs> Judas says this, why wasn't this sold and given to the poor? You ever thought of that? I had somebody, uh, there was a church in town, and uh, they were making a judgment call of something they thought was, shouldn't be in there. Boy, they spent so much money on this, and they shouldn't do that. And it reminded me, this is what came back to my mind. What was the purpose? But I, I'm telling you, I believe the purpose was is because there are some folks that can't do stairs, and some people are extremely, only so many can go up in an elevator at one time, and they don't like that closed space. So that there was something else put in to help them be able to get to another level. I'm okay with that. You, you know, he, well, we, we should have spent the money on the poor. And listen to this story. This is pastor. He's going and he has a friend. He, he had him in for church and they're driving by this really nice house. And the, the pastor friend says, would you look at that house? And uh, this is pastor Robert that replies. It's got the other guy coming in. He says, I know the guy that lives there. He's a strong believer in the Lord. And the other guy that he has with him says he should sell that house and give it to the poor. That was the other guy's comment. So Robert, this is what he tells him. You don't care about the poor. And the guy says, what are you talking about? And he said, if you cared so much about the poor, you'd sell your house and give it to him. And then he said this. He said, I would bet this guy's percentage of income that he gives is far greater than what you give. And you know who started the thing that you just said? Judas, the one who betrayed our Lord. And the guy goes, I am so sorry. <laughs> so he repents of that. So if we're honest, we've all probably made those kind of mistakes. We don't know the heart behind whatever. Oh, they, they shouldn't do this or they shouldn't. But, you know, what's their heart? Maybe, it, you know, it is to further the kingdom. It, let's let God deal that. It's not my job. But Judas is selfish. He's trying to cover up his own motive. He's pointing the finger at somebody else's extravagance. He's looking for a place in the kingdom. The disciples talked a lot about the kingdom. They were like, you know, I want a spot and where, what's going to happen. And, um, you know, how are you going to set up your kingdom? Are you going to do it now? Jesus told him it's none of your business when dad and I set it up. I'm going to tell you when it's time. See, this is what's being taught today. 
we're, we're being taught, you know, almost if we're not careful, we'll make judgments and this should be this. And it's all about me. And how can God help me? It's not about what we can do for God, but what God will do for us. And I think that's warped. I think serving God is not about what he can do for us, but what we can do for him. God has already provided for everything that we need, and we just have to understand and appreciate. Have you ever given something to somebody and they just didn't appreciate it? Doesn't that just, like, tick you off? I mean, i got to say, I've got great kids. I remember giving Zach, we gave him, the, we bought this great present, put it in a box. He took the great present out of the box. He's like four and goes, what a cool box. How about this? Yeah, well, that, look at this box. We're like, we, we should have saved our money. <laughs> but the reason Judas uh, was, was so upset is because he was taking money out. We just read it. He's taking money out. He wanted more for himself. Kind of like hoarders on TV. I don't know what his upbringing was, but he's like, ooh, this is mine. Judas is already doing stuff like Smeagol. Oh, the precious. He's already, you know, this is his. Smeagolson. Yeah. The Bible calls him a thief. And he had the money box. Listen, who gave him the money box? Who's in charge of this group? Jesus. Do you think Jesus knew he was a thief when he gave him the money box? I'm saying. I mean, he, you can't get anything over on Jesus. You thought you could get something over on your mom and dad. Try Jesus. <laughs> That's not going to happen. Sam was awesome. He, he could cry crocodile tears. I mean, that could fill the floor. And he, Daddy, I'm so sorry. I didn't know. And he'd be like, oh, and I'd be like, it's okay, budger. It's all right. She'd turn around the corner and go, he's lying. <laughs> and, he, and he was. I, I fell for it. I bought it hook, line, and sinker. I mean, this boy's reeling me in. And she's already like, he is not telling the truth. Try that with Jesus. I mean, you couldn't even, could you imagine trying to look at the son of God in his eyes? Oh, yeah. Oh, no, I'm not. Oh, I'm not. Oh. I mean, you could, just couldn't be done. So he knows. Jesus gives Judas the box. Why? So I asked myself that. Why? Did he set Judas up to fail? I believe he set him up to succeed. I believe he gave him responsibility in the area of his weakness so that he could overcome that. You see, in, in life today, this is what we do. We, we just write people off. But I've told my kids, I've told my wife, and God has shown it true to me, the blood works or it don't. If, if you've applied the blood and you're repentant and you mend it, you can be changed. God can change you today. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And so as we grab on to Jesus, but Jesus said, Judas, this is what he's telling me. I believe in you. You can beat this thing. But if he gives him that, he's going to be tempted. Yeah. And aren't we all? First Corinthians 10, 13 says, no temptation has overtaken you except such as common to man. But God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you were able. But with this temptation, will also make the way of escape that you may be able to bear it. That's an important scripture. In other words, God is saying, I'm not going to tempt you past what you can take. I'm always going to give you a way out if you look to me. God is always going to help you. 
Let's tie this in with tithing. Jesus is taking money out of the offering box. Jesus is a traveling evangelist. He's walking from town to town, city to city. People are given money to support the ministry, and Judas is taking money from that. Now, I don't think anybody here in TLC uh, would take money out of the offering box or the bag. Have you ever passed? We don't have a bag now. We have just a bucket. But have you ever seen that go by and people, instead of putting in, <laughs> just take a handful out? Um, that, would, it, that doesn't happen. Uh, I'm sure it probably has. But we wouldn't take, now listen to me, or keep. Because if we do, we are what? A thief. Now, I'm saying that, and I want you to still love me when this is over, because I'm like, Lord, this is going to be, this isn't like apple pie. This is kind of spinach. But there's not a whole lot of difference of if we don't put it in and we keep it than if we take it out. We just deleted one motion with the same consequence. I want you to see this morning the value, not for what you will get, but for what he has done for you in giving and tithing. Because if, you know, if I haven't been able to convince you in Scripture, I'm, that's the best I can do. I want to stand before the Lord and say, I've done my job. What we do is we grieve things. We don't want, because when we have selfishness, it's ours. Remember in the first week when Scott brought up the money? I asked for money and he brought it up and handed it to me and then I told you I gave it to him in the beginning. And so was he grieving the money he gave back to me? We said no, because it wasn't his. And that is the key. If we don't give what is not ours and we keep, we are letting that spirit, now listen to me, come in and, and reside and put a stronghold on our family, and on ourselves. It's not mine. So I shouldn't grieve it if I'm giving it. Well, I can't afford it. It's not yours to afford. It's not yours. So if we could understand this is God's, and if he's my provider, he says, you try me in this. And that doesn't mean that we, well, I tied last week, and it didn't work. There are things that are working, and you don't even see them working. We have given and done things, and I'm, I'm like, okay, God. And can I, can I say, doesn't it seem like God is the 1159, the la, you know, at the very last, <laughs> why didn't you do this sooner? But then he does what he does. And later, you know, we can, we can talk about that and why we think it's, you know, the last minute thing. But still, he does provide. We don't take or we don't keep. God said in Malachi, you're robbing me, you're stealing from me. You know, it's, it's less trouble if we just don't give it. But it's still the same. Here's point number two. The extravagance of generosity. The Bible says this is one year's wages. When they talk about denarii, they're, they're talking about one day's wage. They refer to 300 of them. So after the Sabbaths and holidays, there was about roughly 300 days left. So pretty close to a year's wage, what that cost. So she gave an offering of a year's salary to the Lord. I would think that, uh, as far as I'm concerned, that's pretty extravagant. I'm going to come in and I'm just going to give everything I have right there to the Lord. Can I dig a little bit deeper than that? <clears throat> if we took one year's salary, bought perfume with it, or spikenard, <laughs> bought perfume with it, then poured it on someone's feet, that would be extravagant just to pour that out. I mean, and so listen, I mean, and we're, I'm talking about ho-hos here. 
you know, $2 ho-hos. We're talking about stuff that's a year's salary going out on the floor, going out all over the place, going just spilling out. That would be extravagant. And that's what she did. What, you know, as you and me, what could we give God that would be extravagant? How much, now listen to me, and I want you to hear what I'm saying. How much money would impress God? I'm not, you'll understand why I'm saying this in a second. Would a million dollars impress him? How about a billion dollars? A hundred million billion? A gazillion? Sound like a kid. Buschetti. <laughs> Before you shut me out, let me remind you that he owns it all. Let me remind you that uh, uh, his, of his house and they have a description in the Bible. His streets are paved with gold. He isn't showing off. He just has to do something with it. He has an abundance. No potholes in heaven on his streets. That's great. Hallelujah. Foundation of his walls are diamonds. And he's got them lying around all over the place. His gates are made of pearl. And just remember that there's no money in heaven. You don't need to give. I mean, money is not the currency in heaven. Faith is the currency. Money is the currency here. So how do we impress him? We don't have enough money to impress him. And it's not about the amount. It's about the heart. Let me show you a scripture. We can all give something that will impress God. 2 Corinthians 8, 3 and 5, 3 through 5. For I bear witness that according to their ability, yes, and beyond their ability, they were freely willing, imploring us with much urgency that we would receive the gift and the fellowship of the ministering to the saints. And not only as we had hoped, but they... And I'd underline this, they first, because we're talking about putting God first, then look what it says after that, gave themselves. Remember we talked about the true riches are, people last forever. They first gave themselves to the Lord, and then to us by the will of God. Everybody can give something to God, and this is what he wants, he wants you. That's what he wants. It doesn't matter if you have as much money as the neighbor beside you, in front of you, around you, it's not about money, he wants you. He is the original Uncle Sam. He wants you. He doesn't want any to perish. The most extravagant gift you have is your heart. God, I'm going to give you me. Can I remind you, though, that your wallet comes with you? When we give everything to God, we give everything to God. Literally, and I heard this this morning as I was getting ready, he can be your Savior but not be your Lord. He can be your savior, but not be your Lord. In other words, he can save you, yes. But there's a whole different mindset when he is your Lord and he is your master. Because literally, if he's really not Lord of all, he's probably not your Lord at all. We have to give him our heart. And he won't ask you to give anything that you can't do without his help. That's pretty cool. That's why God says where your treasure is, your heart will be also. I'm going to give you three levels of giving in the Bible that the Bible talks about. These are the three amigos of giving, if you will. Let's do the amigo salute. Okay, now that I have your attention. There's number one is tithing. Two is offering. And three is extravagant offerings, or you might know them as painful offerings. <laughs> and some of you know exactly what I mean. And all through the Bible, you can find examples of each. According to the surveys, though, most believers never get to the first level. 
And that's a scary thought. So again, this isn't always a sugar message, but the statistics would say that five out of 100 are uh, tithe that are actually giving and tithing the biblical way. Um, it says five to seven percent out of 100 people are, are only five are, tar- are tithing. So most Christians don't get to the first level. So if you're sitting there and saying, hey, I'm not alone, you're not alone, but let me just tell you, um, if you want what you are believing God for and you've been praying for for years, you're going to need to get past this. You're going to need to get past it. There's people that are praying for miracles and they haven't happened. And this is the reason because they're like, I'm not putting God first. So 10 percent of your gross income undesignated. That's what we give to the church. That's what we that's the storehouse. We've talked about that in the last few weeks. And people love control. They like to say, I want to give I want to give this over here. And I want to give this over here. And I want to give this. You cannot designate your tithe. Your tithe, you cannot designate. You can designate your offering. You can give your offering to Christian schools, Christian ministries. Give it for help. You can do whatever you want. You, you can do that. But your tithe belongs to God. And uh, we can't designate what isn't ours. Every person who gets to the first level, now listen, gets to the second level. If you get to the first level and you're like, I'm going to tithe, I'm going to do it. Even if you start today, you're going to get to the second level. You will go to another level. And I'll tell you why. Here's why. Because the curse is removed. Devourer is rebuked. Windows of heaven are open. And so it is perspective. It is your mindset. Because the enemy will mess with you when you begin to do what God has called you to do. When you begin to, you know, it's going to take faith. I, you mean I got to give? Yeah, that's why it's the first 10. That's why it's the first portion. It takes faith to give the first portion. But what if I do that? I don't have this. I get it. But do that and watch what God does. God says, I'm going to open the windows. You won't have room to receive it. So people, once they understand this, they'll give over and above. We just had an expense come up in our house we didn't expect. And the Lord shared with us the same story to each of us at different times. And I began to say, oh, I'll tell you, this is what I feel like God's saying. She goes, this, he's telling me the same thing. I feel the same thing. So you know what our, our mindset is? Praise God, then. God, you, we'll, we'll, we'll take care of this. You'll, you'll provide for it. I'm not going to worry about it. We both said we're not losing our peace over it. You see, the enemy wants to get you and get you to lose ground. And you can't do that. I hate to say this, but it sounds good since we're talking about money. You can't afford to do that. Really, because I don't want, you know, it's, if it's not mine, I give it to God and he protects it, then I, what am I worried about? My perspective. Did I really give it to him? Am I really believing him? The people who never get to the first level never live with the curse removed. Never. Never have the devourer rebuked. Never. Never have the windows of heaven open. Never. I've had people that have said, oh, I got this big blessing, and, and, and they don't tithe. They know they don't tithe, and then something happens, and their whole blessing goes away. Never. Turn to your neighbor and say, never. Here's somebody that actually, if you don't want to give to God, well, I'm, I'm just saying, you're going to live in Neverland. And it's going to take more than just pixie dust to get you out. <laughs> But there are a few people that go to the third level. They'll have time in their life when God speaks to them and they give something extravagant. God will tell them something and they're like, are you okay? All right. 
Extravagance can be different for each person. What could be extravagant for you might not be extravagant for me or, or vice versa. The widow's might was, you know, was, was small to some, but to her it was everything. So please know it's, it's relational and proportional to what God is telling you. Sometimes what you're attached to, he may say some things. Can I, can I get an amen here? Listen to me. My brother-in-law uh, is, uh, is in the building here, and I remember he had, a, he had a motorcycle, and it was a sweet motorcycle. I think if Jesus would ride a motorcycle, he'd have looked up Jeff Milgate and said, can I have your bike? I mean, it was nice. It, you could eat your food off of it. I mean, he polished it. It was clean. You could brush your teeth, comb your hair. I mean, the chrome shined. It was beautiful. He loved the bike, and he looked good on it. He looks like a biker. You know, now he's got the whole goatee, you know, and all that stuff. But I mean, he just, it was, and you know what the Lord told him? I want you to sell your bike. And he was like, I want to sell my bike. And the Lord told him to, and he put the bike down in, I want to say, Thiel's. Is that right? Is that, I say that right? Okay. Yeah, Upper Sandusky down that way. And it was, I mean, it's an older bike. They put it on the showroom in front of all the new bikes. It was just that kind of bike. It was beautiful. And he just said, Lord, okay. Because he didn't want to put the bike in front of God. So he's, he put it down there. And, and nobody bought it. And after a while, I mean, there's people looked at it all the time. After a while, the Lord said, okay, you can go get your bike. And he went and got it and brought it back home. Listen to what I'm saying. In a lot of things that we do, the enemy doesn't want your heart to go towards God. So your heart can get tested. Abraham! Abraham, can I say, as you walk in obedience, the, the, each step as you do what the Lord's telling you, when Abraham can't see, he's walking by faith. Me and the lad will return to you. Father, we have the altar. We have the wood. Where's the sacrifice? The Bible doesn't really go back and forth about what Abraham said to his son, except that he had to wrap his son up and put him on an altar. But in my mind, this is something I believe the Lord showed me every step that Abraham did, every time he had to wrap him, every time that he had to walk and put his son up there, when he began to get ready, somewhere on the other side of the mountain where Abraham can't see, there's a ram working its way towards that thicket. And any time that ram wants to go the other way, there's an angel going, no, 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 no. No, you're going this way. obedience you don't have to understand it you just have to follow it remember the girl that anointed jesus's feet ever think that she didn't really understand what she was doing it for she really didn't know the reason she's just being obedient she felt to do that jesus said leave her alone she did this for my burial and just understand this is the only anointing that his body received Remember, Sabbath was coming, and they had to get his body off the cross and in the tomb quickly. And that's why the girls were coming back on Sunday morning to anoint and prepare his body, because there was no time before, and they brought spices to do that. She poured the whole thing out, didn't save herself back any, just, God, I'm giving everything to you. It's tough sometimes to do what he says, but that's what faith is about. Pastor Robert tells a story of a, a, a couple that were newly married and they had received a kickback check from their insurance company for something that was a very generous amount. And they looked at it and they both felt, we're not, it's not supposed to be for us. I don't know what God wants to do with it, but we just feel we're supposed to do something with it. 
So they went to the pastor. And this is what the pastor said. He had just met the day before with a woman that was in her house and came and, and uh, said that they said, they're going to take my house. My husband has passed away. All my, it's depleted. They're going to take my house if I don't have this mo- you know, money. And he said, well, how much do you need? And so she told him, and he wrote the amount down. And so he turned to these people. This is the next day. He said, I'm going to pray with you. That I'm going to believe with you. You've been faithful here. God's going to provide. So he turned to these people. Now, again, there's no connection made. He said, how much was the check for? They pulled the check out and handed it to him. Do you know it was the exact amount of the, that he wrote down on that piece of paper? He pulled that piece of paper out, and he showed them that piece of paper, and they're like, guess what? The lady didn't lose her house. Everything got paid for. Those are the kind of things that you need to believe. I can't explain it. Brett, you don't even know what I'm going through. I don't, but I know God. Here's our last point, and then we'll be done. It's 10 o'clock. I'm just passionate about this. So, okay. So the reward of generosity, Mark 14, 3 through 9. Being in Bethany at the house of Simon the leper, he sat at the table. Woman came having an alabaster flask, a very costly oil of, of spikenard. There it is again. Then she broke the flask and poured it on his head. But there were some who were indignant among themselves and said, Why is this fragrant oil wasted? For it might have been sold for more than 300 denarii and given to the poor. And they criticized her sharply, but Jesus said, Let her alone. Why do you trouble her? She's done a good work for me, for you have the poor with you always, and wherever you wish you, you may do them good, but me you do not have always. She has done what she could. She's come beforehand to anoint my body for burial. Assuredly, I say to you, wherever this gospel is preached in the whole world, what this woman has done will also be told as a memorial to her. Now, this is the same story. This is just uh, from Matthew. But now we read, instead of his feet, it's poured on, poured on his head. But she didn't come expecting a reward. She wasn't doing this to become famous or to get mentioned in the Bible. Why would she offer such an extravagant gift? I'm just going to tell you, her brother had been raised from the dead two months before, and she had another perspective. She had seen, like, this is incredible. This is, I mean, he is everything that he said. And I'm just telling you, he is everything that you've ever thought the Bible said and more. You've been raised from the dead yourself. If he has come into your heart and you've received him as your Savior, then you too get to live forever. You too get to live in heaven. He has done this great thing for you as well. And we need to understand there is nothing that we really have here that could really pay. He paid the ultimate price. It should change our perspective. We were dead in our sins and he raised us up and forgave us. Generosity comes out of gratitude and that's why she did it. She didn't expect to be rewarded, but we all know God is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Hebrews 11 Six says this, but without faith, it's impossible to please him for he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. The word rewarder, it's the only time it's in the Bible and rewarder, it's not in the dictionary. It's two Greek words put together. One is very common and means to hire or pay wages due to a person. The other word means to give extravagantly over and above what is normally due that person. So God put them together. So he's going to give you what is due and extravagantly, that's a hard word to say, more than what you deserve. He's going to bless you far beyond what you could ask or think. He doesn't just say that God does this. He said that God is this. It's part of his character. You cannot serve God and not be blessed. Just who he is.
Just know this, God cannot not reward you. He cannot not reward. If you have a pure heart and you're generous, you're going to be rewarded. Let me say it this way. I'm sorry you're going to be rewarded and there's not a thing I can do about it. If you love God and you're like, God, I want to do this for you, he's going to bless you and there's nothing I can do about it. Because that's just how he is. That's who he is. There's another story, but it's similar to what we just talked about. I'm just saying, this is an age-old battle. This is one of those that we just need to understand. I'm going to have my wife come to the keyboard and the prayer team come up. (laughs) I want you to consider, you know, in, in all of this teaching, I want you to say, Lord, what do you want me to do? And how do you want me to do it? Which side do you want to live on? Which side is going to rule you? Let's let the God side rule. Let's let God do what he does and and be so incredible, and he is. And that doesn't change. If you don't believe me, he's still incredible. He's still going to do things. But instead of just saying, Lord, I just want to... I want to get. No, listen, change your heart. God, I just want to give. I want to give to you. And I'm not just talking monetarily. I'm talking about just your heart. And watch what he does. I don't know about you, but I want to be generous on every occasion. I want to be the one that says, I I can help. Let me do that. Would you bow your head and close your eyes, please?